It's five o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. All right, uh, welcome in, everybody. Thanks for being with us. Uh, PJ Show here on uh, a rather cool... Wednesday. I don't want to say clammy because it's not really. It's just very cool. Brisk, maybe. I, I don't know. Just It's just kind of cool. Make sure the cloth is looking good for the vast television audience that's looking. I mean, vast. Vast. Uh, thanks for being with us. Um, Philip the Ref Pilkington producing. Intern William is here today. Intern William's picking up things and putting them down from what I understand. So. We need to talk to him at some point. A huge show today. Doug Martin is going to be along with us. Uh, We'll break down the Pirates and Gardner-Webb, talk about a couple other games from this past weekend, and then preview the uh, weekend uh, ahead. Uh, Our friend uh, Travis Hancock, T-Bone from WFNZ out in Charlotte, affiliate on the ECU Sports uh, Network, is also going to be with us. We'll talk a little bit about the Panthers with him. And if it is uh, truly love, between Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. This is oh where you come goodness. for all this. Oh my this goodness. is where you come for all this hard hitting analysis. Um, so something caught my eye here this afternoon. A uh, guy with a Twitter account at Genetics56, which he titles Big Ten Information Period College Football Fan, and he pays to be verified. Now, he has tweeted out something in the last few hours that has gotten over 150,000 views. Clemson likely to announce their departure from the ACC in October is what I was told a few minutes ago. And this guy is a serial tweeter. Now, I don't think he's anybody other than what he says, a college football fan. And and in his bio, uh, in his bio, he he claims this, Philip, because the bios are always always funny. Oh, of course. And Uh, then they're always 100% true. Right. Father and husband, which I'm sure is, you know, accurate. College graduate, which is more than you can say for some. Uh, college football fan, so that's good. Conference realignment expert. I tweet about all things related to college athletics. And boy, does he with his 9,000 followers who are probably better for it. Now, um, obviously, I start doing some digging to see if there's any legitimate sources reporting this. And he is citing a, an article initially from the Coast and, uh, Post and Courier down in Charleston, uh, Gene Sapikoff, apologies to the Sapikoff family if I mispronounce that, Clemson officials are working behind the scenes on a potential exit from the ACC. He says this could be announced in the coming months. Now, this is not anything that I think is uh, breaking news in that respect, and I don't think Clemson is going to be making an announcement in October. Um, a Clemson administrator saying last week about a timetable sooner than later asked sometime in 2023, stay very tuned. Clemson's departure would be the growing revenue gap between teams in the SEC and Big Ten. 
compared to the other conferences nationally, the ACC media rights deal, which drives much of the revenue for the athletic departments, runs through 2036. Clemson is bound by the grant of rights until 2036, but a source told Sapikoff that it can be negotiated if Clemson has strength in numbers. So there's a real effort going on to try and bring others along. The uh, aforementioned Magnificent Seven, and then Louisville here yelling, ooh, ooh, Mr. Cotta, Mr. Cotta, trying to be the Elite Eight. Now, I don't know if you could say there's a Magnificent Seven anymore because NC State voted to bring in Cal and Stanford and SMU. And that kind of blindsided the North Carolina people. Uh, So, I mean, unless there truly is strength in numbers, but, I mean, if, if somebody could have gotten out of the grant of rights by now, they would have done it. I mean, and the only reason that uh, Texas and Oklahoma are leaving a year later, I think the SEC or the uh, Big 12 just released them. But they couldn't leave before their grant of rights deal expired. But the Big 12 decided, you know, we're going to be proactive, and they have been. And they went ahead and let those two leave to go to the SEC a year early. Otherwise, they'd have had to have waited till 25. So <clears throat> I, I, I'm sure, look, I'm sure some really talented, expensive lawyers are being paid a lot of money to look at all this. But this all started from a tweet uh, from our guy. Oh, what's it? I've already forgot his his Twitter handle. Pilk, I've already forgot it. Uh, Big Ten information, college football fan, at Genetics56. So that's the latest. Although it does cite, appropriately so, a... uh, a, uh, a source out of the uh, Charleston market today. I didn't hear anything down there. I, I interviewed the ACC commissioner while I was down in Clemson last weekend, actually. We didn't talk about this, obviously, because, you know, this wasn't uh, a gotcha thing. There was a lot of buzz about from the Florida State people about this because they're still very disgruntled over the whole thing, and their university-level people want to get out. But you could wreck your entire university for 12 years if you get out of this thing because you got to pay all that money out in the grant of rights. Uh, we'll, we'll see what uh, Travis Hancock maybe has to say about this later. Doug Martin is with us uh, here, former ECU offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator in the XFL currently, and also uh, former head coach at two of the sport of college football's premier jobs, Kent State and New Mexico State. Coach Martin with us uh, here. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great, Patrick. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, so, you know, it was interesting. I was at Florida State Clemson this weekend, uh, and I'm going to ask you a little bit about that. But, uh, you know, this report, I guess, again, I think it just comes down to the ACC, even with this addition, is it's kind of on tenuous ground, it seems like, uh, particularly with North Carolina, who seems to be the apple of a lot of, uh, you know, the Big Ten and SEC's eyes. Uh, respective eye, and, uh, you know, I, I think Clemson and Florida State are itching to get out and would probably cut a deal to get out as far as taking less money to, to get out, it seems like. So uh, the tectonic plates are shifting yet again, it seems like. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I think you could probably add Miami to that list, too, as one of those yeah. teams that's, that's going to get out. You know, that Florida market is big for, for expansion of any conference that's looking to grab a couple more teams. And, you know, there's been rumors about this going on for a while. And it's like I told you, too, Patrick, the 
the thing that's going to happen, I'm just telling you, it's teams are going to separate from the NCAA and they're going to form their own deal. And then everybody else is going to fall back into what we know as college football. And it's going to become like semi-pro is really where it's going to head, uh, much like, you know, what I'm coaching the USFL right now. So I think there's a lot of dynamics at play. There's a lot of things that are going to change. Yeah, I really worry about the, the future of college football and where it's headed. And I think, you know, a lot of things were done before they were thought out. Um, I always thought that players should get money and players should, should get other things. But the transfer portal and the NIL were really poorly thought out. And uh, that opened Pandora's box. And, um, you know, now you've got people looking at really turning it into professional football is what it, where it's going. You know, uh, you know, if you're one of these schools that doesn't go to the uh, top to division level, whatever it ends up being, you know, maybe that could be the return to a more traditional regional conference in football for some of these schools. And I actually hey, think, I think that's, that's a better, that's a better thing for a lot of them. I think that's exactly right. I think what you will have left is a group that will be, you know, traditional college football. I think it'll still, uh, the NCAA is going to have to to change their ways and do a little bit better job of, you know, organizing things and working things. And, you know, the NCA is the only, you know, since I'm out of college football, I can say this now. <laughs> but, you know, we, there's, there's no, they, they won't take the advice of any coaches. You know, Todd Berry, who was coached with me at East Carolina at the time, yep. Todd has been the president of the Coaches Association for a long time. He's ultra, ultra intelligent. He's very committed to college football. And, and he doesn't have a voting spot with the NCA on any rules or regulations. He, he can recommend and things like that, but, you know, he's really ignored by them, which is a major mistake. And then you've got all these former, um, you know, head coaches like Jim Grove would be a great example of a guy that has high integrity would be a guy that they should bring in and listen to. And they don't, you know, and, you know, athletic directors used to be former coaches. So they knew you know, the game and, right. and what coaching was right. like and what's going now it's a business. So most ADs now are businessmen. And I always laughed at that commercial. You remember with Patrick, we are the NCAA. Yes. You remember that commercial? No, we're not. I do. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah. we're not. Yeah. It, the is <laughs> it's the presidents and the athletic directors making business decisions along with television. That's what it is. And that, and that's where this is all headed. So, but I do think you're right. You know, uh, Boston College, Duke, Wake Forest, you know, those type of teams, they're not going to go for that. And, and they're going to be back to playing good college football and having those uh, geographical rivalries and those type of things. They'll be good. Um, but the NCAA is going to have to change for them also. Doug Martin, uh, Coach Doug Martin down at uh, Emerald Isle where he's living the good life. Is this, is this good fishing weather? Oh, any weather's good fishing weather, Patrick. You know that. <laughs> Anytime you can get out there. It seems good. like if you wanted to, to fish from the from like the actual beach, today's a good day to fish from the beach. I don't, I don't know what the winds are doing, so maybe that's got something to do with it. Yeah, the wind has a lot to do with it. The tides have a lot more to do with it than salt water. But, uh, you know, saltwater fishing is a lot of fun because you, you really can catch anything at any time and, and go about any time too. So, you know, I try to get out there as much as I can. I hadn't been much lately as I as I have in the past. I have a few other things tugging me different ways, but uh, it's a great place to live. I know. Your wife, yes, yeah, I know. Boy, yes. I, I, I just didn't want to say it. She might be listening. I didn't want to say it. <laughs> What's the, what, what do we have on Boat Watch 23 for you, Coach? 
Oh yeah, yeah, we're we're working on that. That that that's in the mix. That's that's, that's kind of like an nil deal. That's my nil. <laughs> she said, "You get out of college coaching, I'll get you a boat." That was my nil deal. So I'm still ah, working on there that. There you go. That was a pretty good. Uh, that was a pretty good trade off, wasn't it? Get out of college yeah, coaching. <laughs> no doubt. Well, have you thought no of a doubt. name yet? Uh you know what? I haven't. I'll have to come up with something. You know. Okay. Uh, you know, we'll come up with something. We can, we can uh, maybe ask the fans for all uh, whoever's listening here and send in the recommendations. We'll, we'll get something. Yeah. Just tweet at us at nine four three the game uh, recommendations <laughs> for Doug Martin's uh, boat name when he when he gets it. All right, uh, let's start with the Pirates here. I want to hit on some games this past week, uh, and uh, to me, East Carolina did everything they were supposed to do Saturday, and uh, as a result. Uh, got through the weather conditions, didn't seem to affect them at all. They had probably their best performance overall of the season. Uh, they did exactly what they needed to do. You know, you play an FCS team, you need a convincing win, you need to get some confidence, get some identity going. And, yeah, I thought they did all those things. And uh, I keep saying the one great thing about East Carolina is they, they play good defense. I mean, they really do. And, and that's always going to give them a chance, really, in every game uh, from here on out. So if they take care of the ball – hold up in special teams and the offense continues to improve, you know, they can win games because of that defense. Uh, we're talking with uh, Coach Doug Martin here as we uh, talk week four of the college football season. Uh, the game I watched wa or the game I did was uh, Florida State at Clemson. Florida State wins in overtime. It was a heck of a game. Uh, Coach, what did you think of uh, that one? And is Florida State a for real national championship contender? Yeah, I think Florida State is much better. I still don't really think they're a national championship caliber team, Patrick. And, you know, I, I say it from the start. They struggled at Boston College. They couldn't run the ball against Boston College. And Boston College is not a real good football team right now. And then they had a really hard time running it against Clemson. And, you know, Clemson to me is really struggling offensively. You know, you and I have talked about play calling a lot. And, and, you know, I made the comment that, you know, Steve Logan used to always tell me, you don't win a lot of games with play calling, but you can lose one. And Clemson right. lost one with play yeah. calling. At the end of the game, they're down there right before they miss the field goal. You know, they run the ball yes. first down. They try some ridiculous trick play on second down instead of just doing what you're doing. Uh, you know, it was a horrible call. It put them in a third and long situation. They don't get that, and then they miss the field goal. And, yeah. you know, uh, so there was another example in the Ohio State-Notre Dame game about play calling. But, you know, I digress a little bit. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think Clemson is what they've been offensively, uh, not even close to what they've been in the past. Um, but I think Florida State's definitely a better team. But I, don't, I still don't think they're a top caliber team. I watched – when I got home finally, I watched the end of the Notre Dame-Ohio State. So I saw the Buckeyes punch it in at the end. I watched their last drive. Uh, so let's talk about that because I don't think enough people are talking about Ohio State. And Notre Dame's pretty good, as we've stated on here multiple times. So that was a huge win on the road for the Buckeyes. Uh, how about uh, the play call that you're talking about in that game specifically? And what do you think of those two teams after uh, a pretty epic matchup? Well, I th both really good football teams. And Notre Dame has made tremendous strides, tremendous strides. Sam Hartman is a big part of that, but they, they play great defense and they really should have won the football game. And in my opinion, where, where they messed up was at the end of the game, they tried not to lose the game instead of to win right. the game on offense the last time they had the ball. All they had to do was get one first down and they're going to win the game. And you have Sam Hartman who has not thrown an interception this season. He's playing great football. 
you should be playing aggressively there to get the first down and make Ohio State waste those timeouts, and you can run the clock out from there. Instead, you know, they ran the ball. The first down, they ran the ball. Second down, they tried to throw a screen pass. It got knocked down. So now it's incomplete, and it's second and ten. And then third down, they run the ball instead of trying to get the first down. You know, to me, that's that's playing not to lose instead of playing to win, especially when you have Sam Hartman. Now, if you had some young quarterback who's mistake prone, those type of things, it might be a different situation. But to me, that that play calling set right there really really cost them. And then Ohio State, the series before that, Ohio State tried to give them the game because they had a fourth and a foot and ran a jet sweep. And you're Ohio State, you've got a 240-pound running back back there right. and one of the best yeah. offensive lines of football, and you're running a jet sweep on fourth and a foot. And Notre Dame, you know, threw them for a two-yard loss on that, which right when that happened, I, I said, you know, they just lost the game right there with play call. And then, lo and behold, Notre Dame kind of gave them a gift back. But it was a great football game and two really good defenses. And I, I still think Notre Dame uh, will have a chance if they can win out, which they still mm-hmm. have a good chance to uh, they could still be in the conversation. We'll talk about Notre Dame heading to Durham, uh, that matchup with Duke. We'll talk about the Pirates at Rice and a lot more with Doug Martin. Coach, you can stay through the break real quick. Absolutely. All right, we're going to hit the break. We'll come back and uh, get some thoughts on this week's slate from Coach Doug Martin on the Patrick Johnson Show. Kawasaki Mule side-by-sides are built to handle the toughest tasks. From the compact Mule SX to the full-size Mule Pro FXT, no matter the task, there's a perfect Mule side-by-side to help get the job done. For over 30 years, we've stayed committed to three words. When it comes to rugged Mule side-by-sides, those three words are trust, tried, and true. See them today at Ron Ayers Motorsports, north of the airport on Memorial Drive, Greenville. Download the new IVX Media app now and get the show for your ears and eyes. Doesn't it look great on me? This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, T-Bones, Travis Hancock coming up. Uh, Pilk will have an update. Doug Martin with us here as we uh, take you to the bottom of the hour here on this uh, Wednesday Patrick Johnson Show. So Duke is 4-0, went and did really well at UConn, played a great game. Uh, and uh, are a as a result, uh, the Blue Devils uh, have have had a, a, a tremendous start, uh, and I think are a really good football team, Coach. I don't think this is a, a team that's uh, fake or phony in any way. Uh, you know, top twenty caliber team, and I think that's uh, they're ranked fairly accordingly. Uh, Notre Dame will come in after this loss. It's going to be a huge game. It's ABC College Game Days there. How do you see that one shaking out? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Uh, Duke is really well coached. I mean, they, they've got a great program going there. they got a, a playing with a lot of confidence right now. You know, that 4-0 and uh, game day coming and all those type of things. So uh, they're riding high for sure, and they're capable of beating anybody. I, I think this game is going to be really interesting from the standpoint of Notre Dame. You know, if Notre Dame can come into Duke and win convincingly and play you know, like they hope they can, like their cal- the caliber team they are, then I think they're really, they really are going to be there at the end to see if they can get the college football playoff. Because being able to rebound from that loss last week would say a lot about their football team this week. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we have East Carolina opening conference play at Rice. Uh, JT Danielson, who is a high, highly recruited quarterback, has been in a couple of 
uh, high-profile programs is that Rice was having a, a tremendous season, injured himself against USF. Uh, Pilk will correct me if I'm wrong, but I've not seen anything today on an official word for him, and I doubt we will officially see anything on him uh, soon if we haven't at this point. Uh, not a mobile guy anyway, so any kind of injury to his leg would make uh, it even more difficult, but he's got an NFL arm. So let's start there. Obviously, he and uh, Christian McCaffrey's brother have made this thing at Rice go this season. Yeah, they need him. I mean, he, he really he's a dynamic thrower from, from, the, from the pocket. Sees the field really well. He's really accurate. And they are a throwing team, Patrick. I mean, they want to throw the football. That's really where they're making their money right now. And, you know, they're scoring points. They're really a dynamic offensive football team. They got some weapons out there now, wide receivers, uh, running backs. They've really got tight ends. They, they've really got a nice offensive scheme. Uh, do a really good job with it. They're struggling on defense. Um, you know, they don't play the pass very well. They've been giving up a lot in the passing game to everybody. I think this game sets up well for East Carolina. Even though I, I think Rice is much improved, it's going to be a tough win. But it, it plays to East Carolina's strengths because East Carolina's strength is their defense. I think they'll play good defense. Um, their, our offense, East Carolina's offense, I think, can score on Rice. And that's what's going to come down to. You know, they're not a great defensive football team, so hopefully East Carolina can get in the end zone there. When you have that first conference game and it's on the road, first, first of all, the first conference game, in many ways i got to think, Coach, is more nerve-wracking than week one or as nerve-wracking as week one for coaches. Uh, but you're doing it on the – is there any advantage to being on the road in the first conference game, I guess? That's that, – that, you know, because usually when you go on the road, you can kind of – it's you against the world. You can kind of foster that mentality. Yeah, I, th I think it depends on where you're playing. You know, uh, Rice, I'm, I don't think that's really a hostile environment that you play in down no. there. Uh, you know, it's cavernous I, I and imagine. empty. Right. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes those places are harder to play at because you're just getting the enthusiasm of your team, getting your team ready to play because there is no atmosphere. But I don't think East Carolina had that problem where they are and coming off the win they just had, knowing how important this game is. Yeah, I, I don't think that'll be a factor for them. Yeah. Uh, any games that uh, that we've not talked about that kind of stand out in your mind maybe this uh, weekend or, or any teams that are worth watching as we're uh, now a month into the football season that, that we don't talk about regularly here? You know, a couple of the teams that I've watched that I think are really impressive, and, and a couple of them are out west where people don't see them as much, but the University of Washington has a phenomenal football team and really one of the best quarterbacks in college football, Penix. He started off at Indiana, and when he was a freshman, I told our staff at the time, man, that guy might be the best quarterback in the nation right now. And he's ended up transferring to Washington, and he is – if you hadn't seen him because he's playing on the West Coast again and some people don't get to see them late at night, phenomenal player, really phenomenal player. So I, I would check them out anytime you get a chance. They'll play Arizona on Pac-12 Network uh, Saturday night at 10, so a little – Pac-12 after dark. You know, I thought it was interesting last weekend, Doug, that uh, a great game, too, between Washington State and the and Oregon State, the Nobody Wants Us Bowl. Um, it's just it, – I mean, and those two – those are top 25 teams. I mean, they're they're really good football teams. I, it's it's going to be interesting to see where they wind up. But, uh, boy, that was that, – that, that game had a backdrop uh, that was quite interesting. And uh, – you know, a couple programs, too, that do it, particularly Oregon State, have done it without a whole lot of resources. 
Yeah, it's really amazing. Oregon State's done a great great job. They've been consistent. You know, just about every year they're right. in a bowl game. They win. Uh, you know, Washington State's been a little bit more up and down, uh, but worked really consistent when Mike Leach was there, obviously. But, um, you know, both those teams. And the Pac-12 as a whole, you know, what a shame that they didn't manage that conference better as far as the TV deal and those type of things to keep it alive because – Look at what it's doing right now. I mean, there's so many top 20 teams in the in the Pac-12 right now, and they're all going to be leaving. Uh, so it's a shame that that happened. Some of the best quarterback play in the nation is in that conference right now. I, you brought up Mike Leach, and of course, you know he passed suddenly and tragically uh, in in the spring. Did you ever have any uh, interaction with with Mike Leach at all in your time? Yeah, well, actually, quite a bit. Mike and I spent quite a bit of time together, uh, trading ideas and things like that. And we we were an air raid offense, just like he was, and very similar. And a lot of respect for for Mike. He's really an interesting guy. Uh, he's got a lot, he had a lot of interest other than just football. And that's what made him interesting to talk to. But his football <laughs> philosophy was obviously different than everybody else's. And uh, you know, I mean, he had his style, and you know what? I give you give him credit for. He did it at several different places that yeah. had always been places that were hard to win. You know, Texas Tech was a hard place to win. He went in there and did it. Washington State was a hard place to win. He went there and did it. And Mississippi State, not an easy job, and he was doing it there. So, you know, he he's really missed. But I tell you, what, his fingerprints are all over college football. You watch people's passing games. You didn't get one of those two a.m. calls from him, did you, Coach? Ever? <laughs> no, I did, but Chase Holbrook was on my staff, and Chase uh, was on Mike's staff at uh, Washington State, and I tell you what, he loved him, and he would get those calls <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> uh, Coach, you're the best. We love talking to you. Uh, we, I'm still shocked you let us impose on your time like this, but uh, it's fun. We get a great response to it every time you're on, and uh, – as, as someone uh, wrote me on the Always Anonymous text line uh, earlier in the season, I could listen to Doug Martin talk football for an hour. So uh, we're not going to keep you for an hour. But That was obviously, uh, the, the, a, relative. That was obviously a relative of mine that was texting yes. him on that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, good to talk to you, Coach. I hope all's well. I appreciate it, buddy. Have a good week. All right, you too. Thanks, Coach Doug Martin there. Awesome. Uh, great stuff with him every Wednesday here on the show. So smart and uh, – has seen the game from a lot of different levels, who so he speaks, uh, you know, with a lot of authority and, and expertise on it. All right, uh, we're going to get Travis Hancock, have a little fun with him. Uh, we'll uh, talk some NFL, but we'll roll in this uh, news that came out of the Coast per, uh, Post Courier earlier today, easy for me to say, uh, with him in our next segment. So stand by for that. We'll uh, also aspire to hear some comments from Coach Houston today. Uh, all of that is uh, still to come in the next half hour of the show. But right now, Philip the Ref Pilkington, with a 94-3 The Game sports update and Pirate Report. Pilk? Thanks, Patrick. We will start in Pirate Athletics as the ECU football team looks to open up conference play against Rice this weekend. Coach Houston says the mentality of the team doesn't change. We talked about it right after the game in the locker room that the conference play starts this week, but you know it doesn't change kind of our weekly mentality. I mean, the focus is just you know go 1-0 this week. That's it. You know, there's really nothing else. And, and even beyond that, I mean, it, it's, you know, have a great day today. You know, have a great Tuesday. You can't have a great week if you don't start off with a great day on Tuesday. And obviously with, you know, uh, all the stuff we do on Tuesday, it's a pretty high contact day. Uh, you know, having a solid day today is going to be key to playing well on Saturday. 
kickoff for that game is at 7 o'clock. Network coverage at 6. And as always, our Bushlight Pirate Game Day countdown will start at 4 o'clock right here on 94.3 The Game. William & Mary punter and D.H. Conley alum Will Whitehurst has been named to the semifinalist list for the 2023 Campbell Trophy Award, which is presented at the College Football Hall of Fame Honors Ceremony. It is for the best football scholar athlete, which combines success on the field and in the classroom. Michigan State has officially fired head coach Mel Tucker today. He was suspended back on September 10th without pay when an investigation began in regards to sexual misconduct allegations. Milwaukee Bucks have required Dame Time Damian Lillard in a blockbuster trade that is a three-way trade that includes the Trailblazers and the Phoenix Suns. And the Carolina Hurricanes had their first preseason game last night. They knocked off the Tampa Bay Lightning 5-2. That'll do it for your 94-3 The Game Sports Flash update and Pirate Report on the other side of this timeout. We will be joined by T-Bone from WFNZ in Charlotte to talk all things football. We have you covered with all the ECU news and beyond that you need for the drive home. The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, Travis Hancock, T-Bone from uh, T-Bone and Mac in Charlotte on WFNZ uh, with us on the phone now. Travis, how are you, buddy? Hey, man, what's happening? Appreciate you having me. Hope things are going well for you guys. Yeah, everything is going well. You uh, are uh, always a great guest, and if Adam Gold did not put us on the round table, I would never have gotten your info, and I would never have pestered the hell out of you to come on the show hey, as uh, generously as you, you do. You, you make friends <laughs> in uh, different places. Adam Gold, now uh, part of our family in Charlotte. We run his show uh, every oh. night now, and he's uh, and he's a weekly... Uh, He's a weekly guest on our morning show, so Adam is uh, kind of like a cousin now of uh, the WFNZ Charlotte family. Yeah, we air the show, uh, take two hours of it here on the, the game, yeah. so that is, uh, we're just all one big intermingled family one way or the other. A big Absolutely. dysfunctional fun family is what we have. <laughs> when we have the family reunion, a lot of drinking might break out. Not drinking, drinking uh, might, re- drinking, might break yeah. out. Drinking, yeah. Drinking's one thing, but drinking's another thing. <laughs> I like it. Uh, hey, uh, you know, we could talk about the Panthers, but it, it's let, let's let's get into the stuff people really, really, really want to know about here. Uh, and I saw you guys were kind of kicking this around this morning. Uh, T-Swift, Kelsey, is it for reals? Well, you know, that was pre-podcast today where Travis Kelsey kind of talked about it for a bit. I, you know, is it is it real? I say yes. Is it going to last? Is it serious? Probably not, because not no, that I know no. about these things. But when you're a celebrity at that level, like a Taylor Swift is, and then Travis Kelsey is too, not Taylor Swift level, how do you maintain something like that? I, I don't know how sustainable it is. Were they, were they enjoying the company? And was that real and genuine? And there, was there a connection? There might have been. I just don't know how sustainable something like that could be, especially with how popular – Taylor Swift is, it's got to be almost impossible to maintain something semi-normal at that level. I wouldn't know that, but I can only imagine how tough that might be. Well, you're a huge fish in the Charlotte pond, so you have a little taste of what's going on there. Let's not sell yourself short, uh, T-Bone. Come on. Let me me ask you this. Uh, See, I kind of, I'm going with the Portnoy thing on this. When they walk through on the video that was on Twitter or X, they look to have just no sizzle about him, no buzz about him. 
Am I wrong? Am I wrong on that? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're judging from a, a brief video. And, you know, he he might have been a little nervous just because of the whole <laughs> situation. I mean, I'll say this. Like, people say it's for publicity. And, like, if you're going to say that, it's probably on the Travis Kelsey side, his jersey sales, his podcast numbers on his end. Yeah, I understand where that comes from. But on her end, what does she need that for? I mean, she's already yeah, the true. biggest star in the world. I, I don't know. I don't know what she would gain out of that. So I think she seems like a really good person, from what we know. So I, I don't know why she would use and manipulate a situation. He, I don't know. Maybe he saw there was some some gain, but for her, I, I don't. I don't really see what more star power she would need. At, at the very least, I think that she kind of keeps things private a little bit. So I, I don't know why you would all of a sudden need more attention than she already gets. That side of it didn't make a whole lot of sense. TMZ-like hard-hitting analysis here on the Patrick Johnson Show from Travis Hancock from WFNZ in uh, Charlotte. Uh, and I love I'm here for it all day. Um, speaking of uh, artists, Usher, the Super Bowl halftime show. If this were 20 years ago, this would be huge. Huge. I don't know about today. Well, that's the thing about the Super Bowl halftime shows. If you recall, they they do a lot of throwback ones. They 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 throw a lot of artists in there. Sometimes they're new age ones. Sometimes they're from the past. Look, I I have a uh, soft spot in my heart for Usher, uh, based off the timeline of when he was popular. Look, man, yes. I know it's going to shock you. I, I didn't have the most luck with girls in my teenage years <laughs> when Usher was really uh, popping. Usher carried uh-huh. me through many moments. Um, Usher was, uh, I was very close with Usher. There's other artists I was close to that I can no longer talk about because he's now in jail. But Usher, uh, <laughs> he was my guy, right? Those jams, a lot of, a lot of long walks home, a lot of uh, sleepless nights. But Usher was always there for me. He was in my bed with me. That didn't sound right. I didn't mean it that way. I just meant mm. like musically, Usher was always there for me in my times of need. Yeah, so I, I love it. I, I think this is I thought Instinct was supposed to do it. That was the rumor that Instinct was going to reunite. Right. Uh, and be part. And, and you know what? Might- it's an Apple produced thing, so we see one artist. To me, when it's an Apple produced thing, that means you're going to see a lot of people on that stage. Yeah, I think you've got to have another couple acts yeah. with Usher on there. Yep. And it'll probably, it'll probably be the case. Um, this leads me to ask you a question. What is the biggest name you've got in the phone? The biggest name I have in my phone? Well, I've got, I've been booking guests for 18, 19 years. I still book them even as a, as a co-host of the show just because I, I have so many. I have Peyton Manning's a pretty big name. Um, but again, this isn't like I know them. Like I could just talk to I them. Understand. But I understand. Right. Yeah, I can't just be like, hey, Peyton, can I come on the Manicast? I'm not that level yet. <laughs> um, he's in there. Charles Barkley's in there. And okay. some of these I don't know. They they changed their numbers. I do have Wolf Farrell's number. Oh. Um, I don't know, yeah, from a long time ago. I, I don't know if it uh, – I did think I had um, – one time uh, because of obvious Charlotte connection and uh, a friendship from Davidson with our show – I had Steph Curry in my phone, and I did uh-huh. communicate with him early on, even in the NBA. 
and I uh-huh. sent him a text a couple of years ago, and it turns out that is no longer Steph Curry's number, but it's the number <laughs> for one of our listeners now. Ah, so, so I now said, that hey, listener Steph, has you your number, and that listener texts you. Now the, time, the listener right? harasses me, but I never changed the name in the phone. <laughs> so every once in a while, I get, hey, what a bad take, you moron. And it says Steph Curry, <laughs> but it's, it's some guy named Tom. You know, I, I just never changed it. All right, uh, T-Bone from WFNC, Mac and Bone in Charlotte, uh, our pal Travis Hancock here. Okay, uh, Panthers, uh, something's got to give this weekend. Uh, some uh, tough news about Xavier Woods. I mean, that doesn't help. Uh, but it does appear Bryce Young is on track to start against Minnesota. That's what it appears. Frankie Luvu did practice today. We're not sure about his status. C.J. Henderson was back, but... Xavier Woods looks like he might be out four to six weeks per report. So that's a big-time loss when you've already lost J.C. Horn back there. And you're, and you're facing, you know, I know Minnesota's 0-3, man, but it's not offense is the problem. they got to go face Jefferson and Addison and Osborne. Then they face Detroit next week. Oh, and then they play uh, the 99 Rams, the, the, the Dolphins, uh, in, in a couple weeks. And without J.C. Horn... Without Xavier Xavier Woods, that's they're already up against it in some of those matchups in there, and that, that yeah, this is uh that's tough. But yeah, Bryce Young looks like he's uh on track to be back, and you know this is a a good opportunity. You know Minnesota's offense really good, but not good defensively. Can they can they maybe you know take a little momentum from what the offense built without him last Sunday? Can he take something from watching? Uh, and maybe parlay that into a better performance. He's going to have a good performance here at some point, and I think this is going to have to be one because they're going to have to score some points against this Minnesota offense. We're talking uh, NFL and uh, a couple other things with uh, T-Bone from WFNZ on the Patrick Johnson Show. That Panthers game will be on our sister station, Talk 1037 WTIB, by the way. All right, um, I I could ask you more about Bryce Young, but uh, I'd rather go here – 70 points by the Dolphins. I am really surprised a brouhaha did not break out. I mean, we're talking grown-ass men, and I'm surprised (laughs) somebody from the Broncos side just didn't go nuts and slug somebody. Yeah, it was interesting to watch that by a red zone, right, where you're just like, oh, they're they're at 40. Oh, oh, they're, oh, they're. And I started to think, oh, they're going for seven because – they were they were at near sixty with a long time to go, and I started thinking, oh my, yes. oh my goodness, they're they're going. They probably could have gotten more, and uh, you know, you have to recall too. Sean Payton said a lot of stuff uh, in regards to Miami last year when he was in the media mm-hmm. on Colin Coward show. Yes, uh, he went after yes. Tua and <laughs> his abilities. Uh, he said other stuff along the way, so uh, you know, it couldn't happen to a better guy, right? To give up. Uh, 70 points there. And here, here's the interesting part. You know, Denver's defense last year, under current Panther defensive coordinator, Ajero Averro, they were really uh-huh. good last year. And you take Averro off that defense, and holy smoke, they're giving up points like they're the Denver Nuggets all of a sudden. So, <laughs> well, and, um, and here's yeah, the thing look, they're not, they're not, nobody, no Panthers fan has any love lost for Sean Payton. I mean, it's from the standpoint of or the Panthers, Russell, couldn't happen to a better Russell, guy. Russell. Yep. Yeah, or Russell Wilson, yes. Broncos country, let's ride. All right. Uh, uh, Post Courier has an article that Clemson is 
as uh, well in the it's legitimately trying to get out of the ACC. They were really looking, according to that article. There was some guy who tweets about college football who said they're going to make the announcement next month. We shall see. I was there Saturday uh, with uh, the Florida State game, uh, working that, and you know uh, the Florida State. That's still a buzz with their people and, and with some of their administrators. I, I, I didn't get that sense from Clemson, but I mean, a lot of this is, I guess, being done kind of behind the scenes. Um, any, any fire to that smoke? I mean, you have to look at the people reporting it. I mean, they're, um, they're pretty tied in, right? Today's report from back off. I, I, I yep. won't say his name wrong. Excuse me, but <laughs> I should know it as a Gamecock fan, but, um, his report, he's very, uh, tied in Larry Williams Tigers Illustrated also has been saying that on the Clemson side for a long time there's other people like these are pretty tied in long-term people that are you know it's not like the guy on Twitter which I saw as well that said you know it's it's a done deal maybe he knows something you never know there's some people that are making a craft out of just predicting realignment but there's a lot of smoke here uh, it's, it's shocking to me in sarcastic way that Stanford, Cal, and SMU did not keep Florida State, Clemson potentially happy uh, during this whole thing. Um, I, I think it's the and again, you know how this goes. Um, the whole time we hear something like a year ago, remember it was one afternoon, rumors started Southern Cal, UCLA, they were going to the Pac-12. We were like, oh, okay. Right. They, they were there like three hours later. Whenever you start to hear something and you go, that's not going to happen. Well. In college football, once that starts to churn a little bit, and Clemson, you know, you're starting to see the reasons why they're tied into these schools because there's going to be a battle between the Big Ten and the SEC. That was the thing about Florida State for a while when they were, you know, potentially challenging the Grand Rights way back like a month ago. Um, we didn't know where they might go. It felt like they were trying to get out, but it was like, does anybody want them? Well, if the Big Ten and the SEC want these teams, that's half the battle right there. But it feels like once you start to see multiple reports, it goes very quickly. So it does seem fast on the Clemson news. But it wouldn't shock me if that if they're saying that. I have no reason to, to not believe the journalist report. You know, I, I believe North Carolina, maybe Virginia, I guess Miami, Clemson, and Florida State, that seems to be – but you know, I could find I could find reasons why Miami wouldn't be a part of this. Uh, there was in the Charleston paper article something about the, the magnificent seven, alluding to that. But NC State's kind of thrown a wet blanket on that by voting to allow Cal and uh, others in. So uh, to me, I, again, I could I could give you a million reasons logically in my mind why it wouldn't work. It was interesting. I talked to the commissioner. Uh, a little bit about this Saturday, and, and he, Jim Phillips, and he talked about how this is going to strengthen and stabilize them for years to come. This move of these California schools and uh, and and, da- and uh, Dallas-based SMU. So I don't know. Intre- I mean, just kind of interesting times. Uh, really is the, uh, the problem. Notre is Dame, be this. Duke. Yeah, yeah. The problem is going to be. Sorry, if they if if these teams leave, that this is what I said when it happened. Like. Hey man, like I understand you were desperate, and that's why you added these random three schools. And look, right. you're trying to add—you're just trying to add numbers. But if the other teams still leave, well, now you're going to be stuck with it. Just it—it it could backfire if it doesn't keep the other teams happy. 
Now you're stuck with three random teams, and all of a sudden your conference is looking even weaker than it ever has before. So I just, if you're keeping everybody intact, yeah, you add numbers the best you can. But man, the Big 12 really hurt them too because they took every possible option that could have been the ACC team. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame at Duke, what do you think this weekend before we let you go? Well, as a uh, as a Duke fan, I'm a Duke and South Carolina fan, so I do support both, and I deal with that on a daily basis over here. But I, I will say this. The, the big question about Notre Dame coming off of Ohio State that we really can't answer, because I, I don't think anyone really questions Duke at this point. Duke is legit good. The question about this matchup to me is, and we won't know till it starts, how does Notre Dame respond? We don't know. Are they galvanized? By that gut-punching loss, are they taken aback? You know how these athletes respond. We never know. Notre Dame yeah. has traveled to Ireland. They've traveled to North Carolina to play NC State. They've had that emotionally, physically tough excuse me, game at home. They're coming off that. While Duke has been resting starters in three straight games, Duke True. really can't be any fresher a month into the season. I think it's going to be close. I don't think Duke is a fluke by any means. They've proven that the last year plus. I think Duke's got a great chance, but again, we can't answer that question of how does Notre Dame respond. This could be a great spot for Duke where it's like, oh, they're reeling. Or it could be a spot where it's like, oh, no, I, we, we won't know. I think it's going to be a very close game. I think the point spread is four. I think that's about accurate. I think Duke's got a chance to really pull off an upset. And in reality, you know, for what we know in this state at this point, it's an upset in terms of the, the program names. But I think Duke is legitimately that good under Mike Elko. Hey, always great to talk to you, uh, Travis. Uh, keep up the great work, and uh, we'll uh, catch up with you soon. All right, man. Appreciate you guys. There he goes, the great uh, T-Bone for Mac and T-Bone on WFNZ out in Charlotte, our pal Travis Hancock. Uh, we'll be back to wrap up the PJ show and uh, get you set for tomorrow here on 94.3 The Game right after this. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. I've just uh, reposted something from Barrett Sports Media uh, that uh, Sports Business Journal did with uh, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball who says abandoning abandoning linear television would be a mistake for baseball and i mean i agree with that i do think uh baseball has very wisely uh done something with peacock and done something uh with espn plus and and i think that's a a positive for the sport but uh i think any of these major networks to just abandon tv at this time is probably not uh not what you would uh, want want to do. Plus, I mean, there's money. And, and if one thing that's still drawing on television is sports. Sports still gets, I mean, there were over 10 million people who watched that hideous Oregon-Colorado game this past uh, weekend. Uh, about 7 million watched uh, the Florida State-Clemson game on ABC. I mean, it's just a real competitive weekend because you had a lot going up against uh, others in you know, the uh, 3.30 and 7 o'clock windows, there was a lot of competition uh, on television. But that's the one thing. And I, I know that's football, and it's maybe an apples-to-oranges comparison. But if the right teams are in the World Series, I mean, it'll do an okay number. We'll do the numbers that it did many, many years ago. But, I mean, it'll do a 
pretty decent numbers still. Well, Patrick, too, so look at the demographics of baseball fans. That's not the demographics of people that subscribe to streaming services. That's true. That's true. But I'll say this this year, though. I, we talked about it yesterday in the last segment, and uh, I think baseball's done a really wise thing with the pit. It sped the game up, and I think more people in that younger demographic will be interested in it as a result. So we'll see. It's still baseball still does really well in the markets it's in. Regionally, if you have a major league team in your market, it still is uh, a draw uh, at the turnstile and uh, particularly the media stuff. All right. Thanks to uh, Doug Martin for being on with us today. Thanks to Travis uh, Hancock T Bone from WFNZ. Thanks to Philip Intern William as well. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Mike, do the sh- uh, probably going to do the show at three o'clock on uh, video platforms tomorrow. You have an existing uh, we'll shed that needs to be relocated. Then you need Carolina the Sheds and Transport. Whether it's across the yard is- or to another town, Carolina Sheds and Transport specializes in moving your shed and getting it properly set and leveled in its new location. Plus, Carolina Shed and Transport has carport, metal structures, and new and used sheds with the largest used selection in the area. Go by their location, thirty-seven fifty 